This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the fall of 2022, we'll be studying Amos, Jonah, Hosea, and Micah, and today I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike's joined us the past three weeks. This is our fourth week. We'll be looking at the book of Amos. Mike, thank you for once again for being our Amos resident expert. Sure thing. I don't know about expert, but thank you for having me. <laughs> We're looking at chapter 9, verses 5 through 15. The summary statement is that God offers hope to those who return to him in repentance. The passage outline follows these three breaks, the introduction, the shaking, and the restoration. First of all, the introduction, which is verses 5 through 6 of Amos 9. In these verses, Amos presented a hymn about God who reigns supremely over his creation. If you remember last week, we talked about that a little bit as well, about the importance of remembering God as being over creation. God is portrayed as having authority over both heaven and earth and therefore cannot be escaped. For us, we need to understand that believers should worship God knowing he has no equal and controls all of his creation. The second part of the outline, verses 9 through 10, the shaking. In these verses, Amos announced the coming judgment on Israel, comparing them to overthrown kings and kingdoms. The prophet warned of a shaking that would take place of which the people of Israel would not be excused. For us, we need to understand that all people face the judgment of God apart from his repentance. The last section, the restoration, which verses, looks at verses 11 through 15. In these verses, Amos pointed to a day when God would restore his refined people. These repentant people would receive the blessings of God and live in a permanent and secure home. The main point for us is that believers can live with hope, knowing God's blessings wait in eternity. Mike, let's start out with verses five through six, the very first section. We've entitled introduction. Uh, Amos used images that, that all focus on water in some, some form or fashion. What do we make of that, that water was how he chose to illustrate this first point? The, the last section of the book of Amos, starting in chapter seven, verse one, you've got five visions of judgment, Israel's coming judgment. This is the fifth and final of those visions about judgment. Um, and it's a vision of, of God standing by the altar, pronouncing his judgment on Israel. And the, and the theme of this vision is no one can escape God's wrath. No, no one will be able to escape. Uh, there'll be nowhere to hide. And, uh, if you look back up in verse two, um, two and three, uh, it says, if they dig down to Sheol, you know, uh, if they climb up to heaven, if they hide on the top of Mount Carmel, if they conceal themselves from my side on the seafloor, you know, it doesn't matter where they go, where they try to hide. I want to find them and get them basically is, is what he's saying. So that's the context of these verses, verses five and six. He says, there's, there's nowhere you can go that I cannot reach you. It's, it's a picture of God's authority over all of creation from top to bottom, from the heavens above to the foundations of the earth, from the earth to the sea. Uh, it's a picture of God's authority over creation. And 
God not only sits in authority over all of creation, but he uses and directs the created order how, however he pleases. So the last part of verse six talks about how he controls the water on, upon the earth. You know, he, he can send the rain to give life. He can send floods and judgment like in the days of Noah. Um, God can use it any way he chooses. And in verse five, he talks about the Nile, the Nile River. It's rising. It's falling. Uh, he uses that as an image of destruction. It's, it's an image that uh, the people of Amos's day would have been very familiar with. The Nile River flooded regularly. Um, and so Amos is, is using this picture of, of, of water uh, as a, as a um, to talk about God's judgment. God's judgment will come like a flood. It covers a land. And when it recedes, there will be nothing left but destruction. There's some contrast seen here between the sinful kingdom and the remnant. Uh, help us think through those contrasts here. Yeah, that's that's also part of this fifth vision. <clears throat> and there's two parts to this vision. Uh, there's judgment and there's hope. And it really, you see both of those in, in, in these two terms, sinful kingdom and remnant. It's, this is about judgment and it's about hope. The sinful kingdom, Amos says, will experience God's judgment. Uh, he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the sinful kingdom, and I will obliterate it from the face of the earth. But the house of Jacob would not be totally destroyed. So that's not a, it's not a contradiction there. Obviously, the sinful kingdom and the house of Jacob are not synonymous. So <clears throat> the sinful kingdom um, represents the northern kingdom of Israel that would cease to exist as a nation when uh, and it would be destroyed by the Assyrians um, not long after Amos breached, like 35, 40 years after Amos's ministry that happened. Um, so the nation would cease to exist, but the Lord will preserve for himself a remnant of people from the house of Jacob, uh, people who were descendants of Jacob and the lineage of David, um, and through them fulfill his promise of a Messiah, and that's a that's a promise of hope that he expounds on uh, in in the following verses, in verses eleven through fifteen. You get into the the aspect of of hope. So there's there's judgment coming, but in that judgment there is a there is a ray of hope that God will preserve a remnant of faithful from from the lineage of David. Quick source includes an, uh, a little article in this dig deeper section that looks at the house of Jacob, which I find very helpful. It notes that there's a distinguishing between the political Israel and the spiritual Israel, and that Amos uses the phrase house of Jacob to define the spiritual Israel. Mm -hmm. There's some more passages here that would affirm that, uh, some from Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Nahum. Then it looks at some New Testament passages where that same distinction is included points to Matthew 3 and John the Baptist challenging the Pharisees, points to Paul uh, in Romans 4, 16, uh, where the house of Jacob includes those who are spiritually alive in God. And that group is not limited to the ethnic Israel, or we might say the political Israel in this context, but includes all who have saving faith in Christ. It's those who um, follow uh, who demonstrate the kind of faith that Jacob demonstrated mm -hmm. uh, and who truly followed God. So that's, that, that helped me, helps me distinguish that phrase and understanding. Uh, in verse 11, 
we find this phrase, David's fallen shelter. And it seems to be kind of out of place since Amos is addressing the northern kingdom. Mm -hmm. What was the allure of that image? Mm -hmm. He he is addressing primarily uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. But looking back, remembering back to how the book of Amos began in the first verse, verse or two. Um, it says in verse two of chapter one, God roars from Zion and he thunders from Jerusalem. Well, that's that's southern kingdom. Uh, and it ends, the book ends with this promise of God's covenant with David that would run through, um, it, it essentially run through Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of, of Judah, uh, not, not through Jeroboam and the northern kingdom who rejected the line of David, but through the southern kingdom. Um, so it, it's, it's a prompt. Yes, he's a, he's talking to um, he's talking to the northern kingdom of Israel, but it, it, this is a promise uh, in Scripture uh, that's for every person of, of any nation who who by faith in Christ is numbered among the true people of God when history comes to a close. So Amos's prophecy concerns all the people of God, uh, Jew and Gentile alike. Uh, his 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 his, his prophetic word here is, is for all people of faith. You mentioned Edom, verse 12. We see this remnant of Edom, that phrase used. Uh, yeah. What was he talking about there? Edom was one of the, one of the most bitter enemies, a, a constant bitter enemy of Israel you know, through, through much of their history. They, they were enemies. Um, may remember the Edomites descended from Esau. And I think that here that Edom represents all the nations of the world. It's not, you know, it's not just singling out Edom, but it's, it's Edom as representative of all, as he says, all the nations that bear my name. And, and the idea here is, um, well, it's said like this in the, in the personal study guide. I think this quote comes from the personal study guide. It says, the rebuilding of David's house would elevate the importance of Israel's mission. That the purpose of Israel would be fulfilled as God took the message of the Messiah to the Gentiles. And, you know, God, God's purpose, even, you know, going back to Abraham, God's purpose when he called Abraham was that uh, Ab- through Abraham and his descendants, you know, all the blessing, all, all the nations would be blessed through Abraham. Uh, or <clears throat> Isaiah 49, 6, you know, I will make you Israel. I will make my people a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. That That's God's purpose. Um, by the way, I think we mentioned this in a previous session that uh, Amos 9, 11, and 12 is quoted in the New Testament. Right? At Jerusalem Council, uh-huh. James quoted this as Old Testament biblical support for the inclusion of the Gentiles in the church on the, on the same basis as Jewish believers. That, so that quotation comes from Acts 15, verses 15 to 17. So Having said all that, Edom here represents all the nations that are included in God's saving purpose in Christ. It, it, it represents God's, uh, it represents John's vision in Revelation 7, 9 of a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one can number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So it, I, I, I think we understand Edom in that sense. Are there other key thoughts or ideas you would share from Amos chapter 9, verses 5 through 15? 
I would just point to the Bible school for this session, session four. It, it, um, it asks you to look at some other verses um, uh, to gain some insight uh, about uh, Jesus as the son of David and, and what these verses, what the verses listed reveal about God's uh, fulfilling his purpose to restore Israel through the booth of David, um, quoting or, or taken from verse 11 here. Uh, so I would, I would take a look at that um, Bible skill for some additional insight on this. Mike, thank you for being with us these past four weeks, helping us get a handle on Amos. Next week, Tim Pollard will be joining me. We'll be starting a study of Jonah. Be looking at Jonah chapter 1, verse 15 through 210. Be thinking about believers who run from God are unable to escape his discipline. We do want to thank you for listening to us today. If you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at dwayne.mccrary at lifeway.com. That's dwayne.mccrary, D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question. Or if I don't know the answer, we'll find the right person who can answer that question for you. Thank you once again, Mike. Thank you for being with us. And we look forward to hearing from Tim next week. Mm -hmm.